Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today we have Adam Riser. Adam Riser is a buddy of mine I played in a band with called Lone Wolf about 10 years ago. And he is a top-ranked kayak angler, um, fishes uh, tournaments nationwide. He lives back in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So he moved back about about 10 years ago when I started getting into fishing. And we played in a band together with another friend of ours, Mark, who's another kayak fisherman that moved back east. Uh, He played in a band called Throwdown. So these are some of my old hardcore buddies that uh, like to fish. So I'm getting them on. You might also know Adam from the picture of the dude that got his teeth knocked out. Uh, you'll see the picture on Instagram. So if you're listening to this, you'll see a couple pictures of him. Um, on this intro, I'm going to play the music from our band. This is the last time I played drums, just so you guys could hear the band that we played in. And next week we have Piz. Um, on Monday will be Piz. Then the next Monday will be the Surface Iron uh, Roundtable, where you guys get to ask all the questions, and we'll answer them. Now, don't forget to uh, ask a question by tomorrow. So that's when the end will be, so you can win the package of, of uh, a crap load of Surface Irons, probably. So get on that. Also, please give us a five-star review, positive review on iTunes and listen to this little piece from my boy Fred, one of the best uh, SoCal guides, freshwater guides, and listen to the band I used to play when I played drums like 10, 10, 11 years ago. Kind of crazy how long quick time flies. So thanks again, everyone, for listening, and you'll hear from me next week. Fred Clinshaw Fishing of Southern California is offering custom-guided bass fishing trips for that first-time fishing experience to the seasoned professional tournament angler and everything in between. Spend a half full day or a custom trip catered to your needs aboard one of the two fully rigged high-performance bass boats with learning techniques used by the top pros to find fish and become more successful in catching them. Fred Clinshaw is ready 365 days a year and will professionally take you fishing. Uh, Bring a friend, the family, or bring the whole group of guys with you. Fred is now guiding trips on Castaic and Casitas, two of Southern California's world-famous bass fisheries. Call or text him at 805-630-0160. Follow him on Instagram, my boy the Hammer, the Hammer of Fury on Instagram. Or you can check out his website, www.fredclinchoffishing.com. Now, here's where the deal happens. If you mention Cast and Crank, you're going to get a deal on a half or a full day trip. Um, I'm a little biased with this guy. I'm sorry. This is my boy. Freshwater-wise, I got to say you got to go to him. 
And uh, not only, you know, is he an amazing fisherman, he's, I don't like using the, the, the word, uh, he's a salt of the earth, but that, that's what he is. Uh, he's, a, he's an amazing guy, nice guy, never make you feel fucking stupid. Um, book with him, man. He supports the podcast. If you want to support the podcast, go book with Fred. And just tell him, hey, Cast and Crank sent you. You guys will get a discount code. You're going to help both of us. And uh, that's about it, man. So, again, go check him out, fredclinchawfishing.com or 805-630-0160. We're live, bro. We're re- not live. We're fucking not. Why would I say that? <laughs> We're recording. We're rolling. We're rolling. <laughs> um, We're rolling. Right off the bat. So, yeah, today I have another buddy of mine, a music buddy turned uh, hardcore kayak fisherman. You guys will know him from his teeth missing. He's the guy that fucking got the weight in his teeth and took his two teeth out. <laughs> Let's start off by telling that story because that, that's probably your, one of your most famous pictures, right? Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> definitely got a little bit of attention. Matter of fact, just like I don't know, the day before yesterday, I wired the fish, reposted it again, and, uh, had a few more people uh, question me about it. But yeah, that story. Uh, let's see, this was uh, early December uh, 2019 last year. Um, me and two other buddies were doing a river float in our kayaks uh, on the Duck River in Tennessee. Um, it's one of our favorite uh, winter activities is floating that river. You can still uh, catch some good fish in the in the middle of winter here. And uh, we get to this one area where there's like a little cut that we normally catch fish out of, but it was all jammed up with logs. Um, and so normally we just slide the kayaks in there, but we actually had to uh, hop out of the kayaks and climb up kind of on a berm and an embankment and uh, kind of just flip some log jams that were in there for some small mouth and large mouth. And, uh, two of us were out of the kayak. Myself, and my buddy were up on the berm, mm-hmm. um, flipping from up top. And then my buddy was in his kayak down below us. And I was just flipping some wood and, uh, I, I know I had a bite and I set the hook and, um, whether the fish had the, the plastic, the soft plastic bait in his mouth or whether I got snagged up on a little bit of wood, Whatever it was, when I set the hook, the, the soft plastic lure was torn off. So when it came flying back at me, it had a lot faster trajectory Fuck. Uh, because it didn't have the plastic to uh, you know reduce the speed coming through the air. Um, and it was a combination that my buddy said I was kind of talking at the moment. I had my head <laughs> turned. Um, so it was like just the perfect scenario. And dude, it just popped me right in the, the top two. Uh, middle teeth there in my mouth and immediately just shattered them into a whole bunch of pieces. And, uh, I just bowed my head and I, I you know, I had blood and chick was just coming out of my face. And <laughs> I looked up, I looked up at my buddy and I was like, dude, I, I just knocked my teeth out. And he, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was actually feeling more pain and nausea than I was because he actually had to see it. I didn't have to see it. I yeah. just had, it, uh, you know, I, I probably had a little adrenaline kick in there, and, and the God's honest truth is that it never really hurt that bad. Um, I kept waiting for it to hurt bad, but it didn't. But it looked terrible. 
Um, <laughs> and then my other buddy, like, we walked down to embankment and, and look at him, and it was just pure disgust on his face, too. And I kind of gave him a, a grin and let him see the destruction in, in my mouth there. But they busting him up, and then uh, we still have like an hour and a half of river to float yeah. after that. So it's not like I could have just gone, all right, guys, well, I'm out of here. Um, so I spent about 30 minutes while we kept on floating down the river. Uh, I spent about 30 minutes on the phone trying to set up a dentist appointment for the first thing in the morning, the next morning for the obvious reasons. And then, uh, after about 30 minutes of, uh, phone time, um, I was like, well, it's kind of just like a dull pain. That's not like keeping me from being able to think or fish or anything. And we still had a couple good spots that we normally catch fish out of. So I just kept fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It I mean, was wild when I saw probably, it. I was like, fuck, we, man. We, we probably, like, picked up the pace a little bit more at some point, but, I mean, I wasn't, like, an excruciating pain or there wasn't anything that I could do for the time being. So I was like, well, might as well keep fishing. That's all we yeah. Can do. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much how it went down. That's a crazy, crazy picture. But I just wanted you to tell a story. But we'll talk about how me and Adam know each other. So I played in a band with Adam. So you guys might have seen, we didn't release Mark's episode. So Mark was on it before. He was the guitar player in a band. He also played in a band called Throwdown. And uh, the reason I met Mark is through Adam. And Adam, I played in a band called Lone Wolf with him. I played drums. That's the last time I ever played drums. But the big deal about Adam is that when I, that's when I started getting into fishing. So I think we never connected before you moved. But that's like when I really got into largemouth. Not really. I mean, I I know, uh, you know, we, we spoke a couple of times yeah. as far as like, hey, I may get out. But, I, you know, it's not like we ever were able to actually get, get in the boat together, I don't believe. Yeah. So, but you were pretty hardcore then because I was like, yeah, I like fishing. And our friend Bo's that sang in the band's like, oh, you got to talk to Riser and Townsend. So I'm like, all yep, right. So yep. I ended up fishing with, I Nick, fished with Nick. Yeah. Nick Townsend and... Mark Schwinier, who you just mentioned, yeah. were both pivotal in me uh, getting into uh, bass fishing. So um, I grew up in North Alabama, um, and the Tennessee River Pickwick Lake was in my backyard, and I just kind of jump fished it growing up from the bank with my old man, catching whatever would bite. We had no idea what we were doing, but it's such a, a, a biologically, like, uh, 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 tons of fish that you can catch fish without even having to know what you're doing. So mm -hmm. I had a little bit of like fishing history, but uh, when I was living in Huntington beach, I basically, I lived in Huntington beach, basically all my twenties. Um, and, uh, I just had a bad back injury and I, I was into surfing and being outside and taking advantage of that, but I had to kind of rehab my back and had to take it easy. And Mark, Mark, who was living with me came home one day and, He's like, dude, I, I, I've been bass fishing. I was like, really? I didn't even, I didn't realize at the time you could even catch bass out there. That was just a foreign concept to me. <laughs> he told me about a little pond that was kind of off limits, but you could get away with it. So I started doing that just to get myself outside and, you know, stretch myself out a little bit and started enjoying it. And next thing you know, more and more trips to the tackle shop and I'm pulling up satellite images and trying to find other like ponds and stuff in the uh, LA Orange County area. And, uh, as I'm getting into it, uh, Nick Townsend was the one that, uh, I, yeah, I think Bo was the one that was like, yeah, you need to talk fishing with him. And, uh, Nick told me, you know, what hooks to buy, what, what tackle to kind of get if yeah. I had to, uh, get back into it again. Um, and, uh, dude, it, it just kind of consumed me. It, it became fun going out there. It's not, 
easy, as most of your audience knows. <laughs> it is not easy bass fishing in, in California and in Southern California. Um, it's, it's kind of a pain and arduous to uh, actually get out there. So um, there's a lot of ninja fishing and uh, just bank fishing and just wherever I could. Every once in a while, I could hop in a boat. But whether it was like the, the bay bass or... Did you, you uh, fished, uh, ponds. I, I, was, I was all about it, man. You fish spotties too then, right? A little bit. Um, so explain, you know, if it, you could explain to people, because I do get, sometimes, you know, people will listen from back east or, you know, up north yeah. and they don't get to experience the, uh, no. the spotty fishing you did. So it's almost like a, a pretty strong smallmouth, would you say? It's, it, yeah, for, for sure. Anything that, that comes out of the saltwater just seems to be a little meaner because they have to be, from what, from what I recall. Yeah. Um, but, dude, I don't, I don't even mention that realm of fishing to my buddies back here because it, it wouldn't make sense to them. Like, <laughs> you know, to, like a calico or a spotty or uh, we get some halibut too. But, dude, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd go down to, like, the, the Huntington Harbor and, like, walk on to, like, an empty house lot and, fish there until like the authorities would chase me away or go <laughs> yeah. down to uh, Newport Harbor and just, you know, walk the bank. I'm sure the majority of the fishing I did out there now that I look back on it was probably frowned upon and <laughs> illegal, but, um, whatever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so then when we reconnected, uh, you were pretty hard into the kayak scene already. Are you now, do you fish KBF? Yeah, fish KBF, um, which which KBF is basically a tournament series. It, it's probably a little bit more than that as an entity uh, too. But like hopping in the kayak was, I didn't own a kayak in California, but one of the guys that was regularly bank fishing the same spots I did was like, "Hey man, we got these tandem uh, ocean kayaks that my family we never use. Like we should take one of these kayaks, one of these ponds that we would always fish and across the way where we couldn't get to, there'd be some reeds and targets you could cast to. So we took the, his tandem kayak out uh, a few times and started catching fish and just, you know, being able to access spots that we could never fish before just from a little plastic boat uh, really opened up a lot uh, of, of fishing opportunities for me and just really enjoyed it. And I knew in what, 2012 or somewhere around then, 2012, 2013, I was going to be moving back to Alabama mm -hmm. temporarily, but I also knew that I was going to be around, you know, prime bass fishing. And so it wasn't too long after I moved back to the Southeast that uh, I just ran in the store, picked up a kayak, and that's where it was kind of no looking back. I was out there every chance I could, just soaking it up, uh, learning a lot in a hurry, fishing Pickwick. Uh, Pickwick Lake is, is such a good fishery to just learn any and everything about catching bass. Um, and not long after that, moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where I've been living the last five years or so, and uh, found that there were some clubs up here, started getting into clubs. It was doing uh, well on the competitive end of things, you know, right out of the gate. And so I just wanted to see how far I could take it and started fishing national circuits and that's been the story the last three or four years now. Is KBF like the, the main circuit for kayak fishing? The, especially on the national scale, they definitely got out there before anyone else. Chad okay. um, Hoover is, is the, the main guy uh, with KBF, especially in the, the original days. There's a, Now he's got a full team behind him now, but uh, he had... And I don't know that the first years of KBF were probably uh, before I even moved back to the Southeast, but 
Um, luckily, this region where I live, there's no shortage of uh, tournament opportunities, even in the early days. And so just did a few of those. And uh, next thing you know, they'd have an event at the lake that uh, was out of state, like at uh, Beaver Lake in Arkansas, you know, a lake that you, if you watch fishing shows growing up or watch competitive fishing in the bass boat world, like there's these lakes that I'd always heard about and always wanted to fish. Well, now there's kayak tournaments there. And so for no other reason, just been checking out like a legendary fishery, I'd, I'd cruise out to tournaments and do that. And, uh, uh, what, it's been three, paying four off, years right? into it I now. Mean, so a year, this is this last this year has been your best year, correct? Yeah, got off to a good start. It was a combination of not having to work due to COVID, so I got to fish <laughs> for more than I already do, right. and I fish a lot. And uh, my, my strength is in the pre-spawn and spawn and post-spawn time uh, before the fish move real deep and post-spawn. When they're up shallow, I'm really cozy fishing for uh, shallow bass, and so... Um, there was a few tournaments where the conditions just lined up and I was able to execute pretty close to how I wanted to do. So I, I had a, a few really strong tournaments uh, kind of earlier this year. Um, that got the ball rolling, gave me, gave me a little momentum and a couple good checks too. Yeah. I mean, what was your top uh, placing? Uh, I, I got second in the Hobie Bass Open on Kentucky Lake which um, every year that Hobie Kentucky Lake tournament is one of the most uh, looked forward to um, and higher, higher turnout events that we have um, in, in the entire region here. Um, I could have won it last year. I had winning fish in my lap that flopped off my board. When we do the kayak oh, tournaments, fuck. we go by length of the fish, not weight. So we got to get a clean photo of a fish on a certified measuring board uh, that gets submitted to a website where uh, judges – they will either say, yeah, your fish is good at, at the link that you submitted it in, or it's not for any number of criteria that uh, you can mess up on. But I had the winning fish uh, last year uh, for that Kentucky Lake Hobie tournament and messed it up a little bit. So the, the not fishing clean aspect is what cost me that. Still finished well, but ever since then, I've, I've you know, I've won a little vengeance. And so I uh, <laughs> really went for it this year and uh, got second. And I think I got... 3800 bucks, and so for a kayak tournament, man, yeah, that's pretty good. But that, that's, I mean, that's how many uh, competitors, too? What's that? How many competitors was it? I think that one was somewhere between 120, 120 140. I don't remember. Dude, I want to say it was in the 130s or something. And it's top-tier guys, too. Um, so uh, are the, you... The field you, and, and these Hobie and, and many of the KBF events, especially the national ones there, uh-huh. Uh it's it's the best of the best as far as your competition goes. So that I mean in the kayak world. That's crazy too. Is there an amateur division or just straight pro like there's no pro amateur on <sighs> they, the kayak division? They're they're still figuring out, you know, all leagues and all tournament trails are still kind of like going through ideas and concepts as far as making a tier level. Um and there, there was a little something there with KBF and FLW, but then FLW uh, got sold off or bought out, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so um, nothing really was able to solidify. Um, KBF had a pro thing last year, but it was basically just a side pot. Um, so anyone could uh, go in there. So calling it pro wasn't you know entirely accurate. But as of right now, I think 
the the kayak bass angling community would agree that the Hobie Bass Open series is the highest echelon of uh, competitive bass fishing out of a kayak right now. I definitely would agree with that. And you took six or second place in that, correct? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great man. I mean, from from going, you know, uh, moving back east, but you kind of you weren't fishing serious when you lived back there, correct? When you were younger? No, it wasn't. I, dude, I, I didn't really fish serious because I did about a year or a year and a half of just local club fishing. You mm-hmm. know, I, anyone that gets into tournament bass fishing starts off at a club level for the most part. And um, I just realized if you just got a limit or just like finesse fished up a limit, you'd probably do okay. And then if you just figured out a couple more things to do, in addition to that, you, you would do well. And so I, it, the first couple of years, there were so many, the sport was still so new. Um, that the competition wasn't as tough, but every single year since then, it's gotten much tougher uh, as it went on. But the, the club level thing just gave me the confidence to uh, give a shot at the, the, the higher payout, the higher entry fee uh, tournaments that KBS and now Hobie and now Bass Nation uh, even uh, did their first kayak uh, tournament this year too. And they have a few uh, spread out tournaments as well, and they're going to have a championship series. So, wow! Um, the, the the bass industry is definitely they definitely have their eyes on the kayak thing uh, for sure for all the, uh, the the good reasons, you know. Are you guiding now too? Yeah, I just got that kicked off. It was something that I that I, I kind of knew I wanted to do at some point, but I wanted to get on my ducks in a row before I uh, committed to it. But um, the damn COVID virus basically has wiped out my job of the last five years working uh, in the service industry in downtown Nashville. Uh, so it's forcing me to uh, kick off the guide thing uh, prematurely. It's just earlier than I'd like to do it, but um, I'd rather go ahead and see if I can't uh, give it a shot and maybe establish some regular clients that way. When we get into our winters here, uh, you know, there's not nearly as many people that care to, uh, try to go catch a bass on a cold winter day um, here. So I got to ch- see if I can stir up enough business to get me through the winter. If not, I got to think about other options. Has it opened back up over there? Or did it kind of close back up again? Like here where it kind of opened and then close and open. It, it's, everything is, is so confused and scrambled right now. Like they, you know, they have like a tier program or a phase program, like phase you know two, three, four. And, Basically, our local government uh, here in Nashville didn't stick to any of the phasing programs, nor did they enforce people that were going against it. And we, Nashville, over the last like six, seven, eight years, is our, our tourism industry is just absolutely boomed. Um, and everyone goes down to Broadway to the honky tonks and the bars, and they've got a bunch of uh, what they call transportainment vehicles. It's basically if you can shove wheels on it and roll it down the street, you can get drunk on it. In Nashville. And people uh, have a really good time doing that. And we're happy to have them because they, they like spending their money here. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can't have a, a, a bar with several hundred people or a party vehicle with a couple dozen people. Um, and, and doing this, if a few of them happen to have a virus, it's pretty easy to get spread. So the city's like back and forth on, how to regulate it, how to shut it down, when to keep it open, to what degree. And uh, so it's it's still a mess right now. There's no uh, 
there, there's no clear light at the end of our, our tunnel as far as like our, our local economy right now here in Nashville. Yeah, that's, um, so that's crazy. Stay dude. posted on that. Yeah. Um, are you still playing music at all? Man, what, what used to be many nights <laughs> spent on the computer, like demoing songs, recording mm-hmm. music, and uh, I did that for years. Now those evenings are spent uh, looking at Google satellite images and studying <laughs> lake contour maps and, and you know, uh, trying to figure out new techniques or just rigging tackle. Like, I am absolutely consumed with bass fishing and that's been the story for the last few years it, it eats up all my time i won't i'll still pick up the guitar here and there and you know i've got no shortage of riffs that are recorded and yeah uh, collecting dust but dude I, I can't say that i've i can't remember the last time i jammed with anyone or when i actually like you know stayed up and wrote a song like i used to it's very much all fishing now oh same here i mean the last real <laughs> recording i had was was with uh, you. Hold on, my kid. <laughs> my wife went to the market, so I, I'm stuck with the kids. <laughs> go, go, brother. Go. Please go, brother. Oh, God. Hold on one second. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, it was uh, when we recorded that for the record. That was the last time I, like, a real... I did absolute really? madness. Yeah, absolute madness was oh, the last. That was thing a I while did. ago, dude. That was ten years ago. Yeah, that was the last time I really played drums. And then uh, I played with Donnie Brook uh, for the children once, but I played bass. I'm like, I can't play drums. It's fucking. But uh, after Lone Wolf, you're just like, I don't know how I can make music better than this. I'm like, well, right? No, it was <laughs> I fucking am not a drummer because I got to practice way too much to fucking do this. <laughs> but that yeah, was right. a yeah, that was a fun fun uh, time, but. There's a one fucking story. It's not a fishing story, but it was the craziest fucking story I've heard. And it was from you. It's a ghost story kind of thing. What? Okay. Do you remember that story? I don't because I have... Uh, this I've was the one about the mud. for how terrible my memory is. This is about you, you went like uh, in the woods, maybe your house, and, and there was mud, like handprints on the car. Oh, that one. Yeah, that, that was my... That was my, uh, my, my buddy was, uh, he, he drove out out in the country one night uh, on some property and there's like a Creek and they thought they heard something. This is my best recollection of it. They drive out. Um, they, they get out of the truck, turn the truck off and they're like searching around or whatever was the commotion. Don't find anything. They hop back in the truck when they turn the lights on, like, you know, the headlights, they can't even see out the, uh, 
the the windshield because there's like dirty handprints like covering the whole thing and they had to drive all the way back as fast as they could like ace ventura style head out the window um Fuck, that's uh, scary yeah, shit. Yeah, dude. I forgot about that until you. I would have forgot about that for the rest of my life. You got to mention that. <laughs> no, yeah, it gives you. Yeah, it gives you the chills a little bit thinking about something like that, huh? Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm sure. Just even you know, like I'm sure some crazy shit. You got a lot of area over there, too, where it's not as much city like it is here. Like where it's just packed in. Oh yeah, yeah. You, know? you can get rural in a hurry out here. Is it? Much. <laughs> you can get rural. Um, oh yeah. How is the fishing compared to like you know here? Is the pressure just so much more over here compared to there, or is it just uh, it's, different fisheries together? It's so different. Everything's different, and I try to describe to my buddies here what it's like in California. You know, like the idea that you have to wait in line at the lake, like <laughs> get your boat inspected. Uh, if there's fees, if I remember, you have to be off the water at a certain time, and you can't be on the water at a certain time, and most guys know that that like morning and evening bite can be some of the best. So you're missing that. Um, the, the fishing pressure out West is, is ridiculous. Uh, it makes it, it makes the anglers out there so good because they have to uh, come up with all kinds of new and creative ways to catch fish and techniques. Um, it's just such a struggle out there. You know, you can say like, you know, California has like nice weather and everything. So you, you can get out there and fish a lot more sunny days. Whereas out here in the summer, like, Every afternoon, it thunderstorms here pretty much, and yeah. you know the, our our winters are very much winters here, and, and the fishing gets really slowed in uh, for the most part. So, uh, whereas out here, you can pretty much, with few exceptions, fish twenty four seven, three sixty five, uh, no hassle, no expense, no like wow. hardly any boat ramp fees or anything like that. So if you're into fishing or into bass fishing, you can do it as long as your schedule allows you to out here all year. And I've taken advantage of that. If I wasn't uh, working my, my normal job, I've, I've been fishing. Yeah. Um, how was the uh, swim bait fishing over there? I'm just wondering because here I feel like it's pretty, pretty big. Like it's its own little thing. I said it before, like where swim, you could just be a swim bait fisherman in California and that's all you can do and still catch yep. fish. Is it yeah, like that? There, over there? A, and this is all just my, my personal opinion about this. You know, I was exposed to it a little bit when I still lived out there. Uh-huh. There'd be a couple of guys showing up to places like casting those things or you walk into the tackle store and you uh, see some of those baits. And uh, even in that 2012 and prior area, you know, you could still dig up a couple uh, YouTube videos of some big bait stuff. So I got some surface knowledge about it about the the big swim bait thing um but it wasn't until i was living back out here in nashville and was tired of catching small fish uh i could catch small fish with no problem but i needed to learn how i was getting beat by guys in tournaments that were catching you know kickers and big fish and so i was like well i'm just going to go the extreme route put away all my tackle that's not like big swim bait stuff and go try it out here and there i knew no one that was you know, throwing any big baits out here, to, you know, there's some guys that do it, but nowhere near the regularity that you get out west. And you also got to consider that out west you have the trout factor too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know our fish here eat big prey, but those trout specific weights, that, 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 that trout prey becomes a, that's, a, that's a whole different element or a whole different consideration, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, or is out here a big gizzard shad? If you want to throw a big swim bait, you're, you're probably going to try to mimic a big gizzard shad, especially in the Tennessee River. 
those gizzard shad get eight to 18 inches long. They're, they're, they're big, they're giant. So it's big prey. Um, I guess the short take on the swim baiting out here is you don't have to go to all the crazy considerations and fine tunings that you would have to out West, mm -hmm. especially if you're, if you're fishing a very highly pressured place, um, out here, the, for the most part, these bass don't see those baits. Uh, you know, you can get down to like Gunnersville or Chickamauga and some of these premier places where guys are implementing that in, into their regular routine, but overwhelmingly, those fish don't see the big baits out here. So if, if, if you do a little bit of exploring and you know, and you just throw those baits a lot and understand the movements of the baits and which just understand them as tools, you know, there's a mm -hmm. time and a place for each one of them. Um, and there, uh, there, there's a few places kind of honey hole places that I have where I know big ones routinely go there at certain times of the year. And I started throwing big baits in there and, uh, there's definitely a few places where that is the best thing you can throw are the big baits because there's other guys that know about these fish that are kind of hard to find and they'll see traditional lures, but <laughs> uh, they don't see the big stuff as much and uh, uh, you can really take advantage of it. So I have a fun time doing that. I think I kind of delved into that whole category before a handful of other guys were just by like, a, you know, a year or two. Now that a whole lot of more more guys are getting into that here, or, uh, playing around with it, so I got a little bit of a head start compared to most guys here, and um, been able to show a few guys some some things that I've I've had to work for me. But for the most part, the same stuff translates. The trout stuff isn't quite there, but yeah. you know, a big hungry bass is still going to react to a glide bait or you know a big hut or something, pretty much the same way as it would out, out there too. So it's fun. Yeah. The uh, the the fishing out there is like the lake depth a little different than it is here and stuff like that, you know. Dude, everything. Well, it, we, we you can fish whatever you want out here, especially in Nashville, Middle Tennessee. We are so spoiled um, with our fisheries, and it's why you see so many anglers come from Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, because all these places have every type of bass fishing you can want, whether it's a moving river, uh, a deep highland reservoir, um, shallow marshy stuff. Uh, you can you can go down to Florida and you've got you know shallow just grass lakes. Um, but especially here, like in this the, the Tennessee North Alabama region, uh, you can learn how to fish whatever you want. We we've, we've got the the big spotted bass lakes. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got smallmouth. Uh, so if there's an aspect of your fishing that you need to improve on you can leave your house and go work on that that day and then go fish something completely different the next day a different species the next day um so being able to have the variety and all the different options here it's just going to make you a more knowledgeable and skilled angler than the day so we're just spoiled in our options really yeah yeah it seems like it man um have you ever uh, flipped your kayak Ooh, once, like, I think the year I moved back to Alabama, I only had, like, one little tackle box and a couple of cheapy rods, so that wasn't too bad. Uh, I haven't flipped, but no. I'm, I'm still – here's I got a good story for you, though. <laughs> um, I did a tournament down in Toledo Bend, which is uh, the border of Louisiana and Texas. This is, I don't know, three or so years ago. And I was driving back from that. I was about a 10-hour drive. 
I was just east of Memphis on I-40. And uh, my kayak, I was like car topping my kayak. I still car top, meaning I just strap it to the, the top of my car. I don't use a trailer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess my little rail, my rack rail thing, wasn't scared enough. I was doing like 80 miles an hour in the high speed lane and I just hear a pop pop and I just see both my rails still attached to my kayak in my rear view mirror just go flying like the kayak and the rails just go flying into the middle of the interstate. Uh, I pull over into the, the emergency lane on the left and there's cars swerving, screeching, dodging my kayak. I'm running straight into traffic because I'm going to try to pull it out of the way. I'm prepared to hop over the cement barrier to the other direction of traffic in case it really gets sketchy and cars are crashing and I got to take cover. Um, so there was like a, a 25, 30 second uh, little period of time there that was just super dangerous, super sketchy. Miraculously, no cars hit my kayak. I was able to pull it off into the emergency lane um but i had no way to transport it now um so i had to get i had to drive like 20 minutes down the road call the highway patrol they said they were going to meet me there back where my cock was left on the road and help me get it long story short i go back someone had already picked it up and drove off oh, with it. Fuck. i'm pretty sure that it was already damaged enough in the fall that it was probably compromised at least that's what i'm telling myself <laughs> um but that that was more of a a mishap than actually tipping your kayak is having to come off while driving 80 down the road. That sucks. Someone picked it up too. I mean, fuck that. Yeah. It, it kind of doesn't surprise me. I mean, I get it. If, if I saw it there, I, you know, I, I get why someone would want to be like, Hey dude, I, they probably didn't realize that I was coming back for it and thought it was just a game. Yeah. Or something, so they yeah. It up, you know. What kind of kayak are you fishing out of now? Um, I have a Bonafide kayak, which is a paddle kayak. Um, I was with Bonafide. I was part of their team. I, I dropped off of their t- team for reasons I, I won't go into right now, or at least not publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I would I would still like to get a Hobie 360, which is definitely like the Cadillac of all kayaks that are on the market right now. Um, in my perfect world, I have like a small, lightweight paddle boat much like the bonafide or bonafide which is good for like moving waters rivers creeks or getting into some really 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 skinny backwaters mm-hmm. and then if i'm fishing big water fishing offshore ledge fishing um or, or just covering a ton of water having a uh pedal or you know a foot driven powered uh kayak is more ideal so hopefully i can have like two or three kayaks and have a little fleet and then i'm good to go for whatever the conditions are you know do people usually fish like that? Like, like the top tier guys have like two or three kayaks they fish from. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. top tier guys will definitely have, um, either a really nice one that kind of gets it done like a Hobie 360 or, uh, they, they will have a couple and, uh, just as much you're going to see, uh, the top tier guys and even beyond, um, we're using the electric motors a lot now. Now say like the Hobie Bass open series, you can practice for the event with a motor, but come tournament day, mm-hmm you're not allowed to use the motor. Whereas in the KBF series, you can use the motor during the event. Um, I think with the Bass Nation, they allow motors too. Uh, so some events, we're going to have them, those motors going. Other ones, we, you know, you leave them in the truck or you leave them at home because it's not allowed. And there's good arguments for both. Is there, is, are those ones that mount on the bottom of the kayak? 
whatever you want, dude. You, okay. There's guys that got like the spot lock motors mounted up on the, on front on the bow. Yeah. Um, I use a torpedo, which is you know it's behind me. It's on my stern. Yeah. Um, and then there's the guys like Old Town makes a kayak now that uh, you can buy it with the option to have like the the spotlight torpedo kind of dropped in the center of the boat, almost like at your feet or in between your legs, kind of. So there's all options now. Um, It's so crazy. If you went back just five years ago, how limited the the kayak options were compared to now and the quality of all these kayaks just keeps going up to you. Have you done any uh, kayak stuff out here, like uh, in the ocean? (sighs) Did I get one out? I don't think I ever launched a kayak out there. Um, I, I think I only ever fished the salt from the, the jetties or uh, on the bank. So I don't think I actually ever got the kayak. I did take a float tube, like in Huntington Harbor, yeah. a bar to float tube a, a time or two. <laughs> you got to get out there. You got to have Lipke take you out there, dude. I know. He's I, know. I want to fish dude. with that guy. When it, hopefully we can cross paths uh, sooner than later and, and, and go fishing. I know that that guy can crush him in salt or fresh. So yeah. He's doing I'd really like good. To. Mark, is Mark close to you now or not far? Mark moved to Southern Missouri mm-hmm. and he is about, I think he's like four, four and a half hours from me. That's not bad. Um, and since he moved out here in like early summer or late spring, we've met up twice. He fished uh, a local club tournament on Kentucky Lake with me. And so he like, we got together, we did like practice for a few days and then did the tournament. And then, what else did we come out here? But we fished a couple times, and then two days from now, Mark's going to come here to Nashville, and we're going to go to Del Hollow and fish a tournament on Del Hollow together. Nice. Um, just a club tournament out there uh, this weekend. And then in just a week or two, we're going to go down. Mark's going to join us and some other guys, and we're going to go down to uh, the Flint River, the Chattahoochee, and the Okmulgee River uh, in Georgia. And one of the big reasons why you would want to go to those places is because they have shoal bass which is kind of the the quiet well-kept secret species of black bass you know most people think spotted bass small mouth and large mouth mm-hmm. well there's the shoal bass that only exist in, in the, the the georgia area there and they're just this weird they're kind of like a small mouth but they're, they're there's i don't know they're just awesome i got to fish with them for the first time last year so mark and some other guys were going to go down there in a couple of weeks and, nice uh, try to catch some of that. You catch a big large mouth down there too. So yeah, uh, yeah. Mark's been out here for a little bit. We've uh, gotten together a few times. It looks like it'll be a regular thing. He might even become a Tennessee resident here soon. We'll see. Nice. Um, do you have sponsors right now that you want to plug? Eh, not n- none that are like pressing or anything. I was one of my main sponsors was uh, our big outfitter shop here, Hookwind Outfitters, and they had two locations in the greater Nashville area, but. Just as of like two weeks ago, they announced that uh, the stores were just shutting down. They were doing, they were crushing it for business, especially with the virus. Everyone's buying really? kayaks and outdoor stuff. Yeah. And, um, but I guess the owner, who I did not know the owner, um, I guess he came into bad health and was advised to liquidate the business. I wow. don't know any more than that, but they were like a premier store. I mean, think of your biggest most popular tackle shop in, in California yeah. or that, you know, everyone goes to like, that was this spot here and it's gone. Um, so that's a big bummer. You know, our, our whole pro staff is uh, disappointed in that and how it played out, but it just, how it happened. Yeah. That's um, what it is, right? 
uh, I, I am with bending branches paddles. Um, I, I've always used bending branches paddles, so teaming up with them was a no-brainer. And then I'm with Yak Attack too, and Yak Attack makes and has made for a long, long time. Like uh, just kind of all the most thoughtful ones and top-tier uh, accessories for kayaks. And they're they're making some stuff for boats now too, like stuff where you can attach like a little rail system mm-hmm. to your boat. And they got all kinds of clever things. Uh, uh, the innovative uh, process over at Yak Attack is pretty impressive, but that's who all I got going right now. I've definitely got a little list made of people that I reach out to, but got um, you, man. Top the not... second place finish, dude. That's good. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, like honestly, it's myself and my other and a handful of my other buddies that are like doing the the kayak tournaments pretty hard. Like we're past the point where. You know, just a, a discount is like we need more than that. You know, we're hardcore about it. We spend our time on the road and like the Airbnbs, the food, the gas, the entry fees, that stuff adds up. Um, and so we're now trying to open up discussions and kick open doors to, where it's like, hey, let's let's get that uh, collective group of sponsors and everyone chip in and help us knock out our expenses and. We'll guarantee that it'll be worth your while um, if it, with the spotlight just growing bigger in our sport. And, yeah, uh, that's if, a, that's if you're a hard regularly in the top. You know, that's that's where we're at, and that's and, and uh, I, I feel like there's definitely a handful of us, our, our core guys, that are the uh, you know always finishing near the top and fishing every event possible. Like I think we're very much in the right to be uh, asking for some help here and there as opposed to just like a discount you know but i think that's the, the next stage for uh the, some of the more elite kayaking members. so we'll see how that goes do you do you, if you finish top say 10 constantly do you have a sponsor that's paying you in the kayak uh tournament league like the, the kbf or the kobe are those guys getting paid i don't i've got some buddies that i know that do have some uh-huh. um there's there's very few kayak anglers that can, that are like 100% full time where they don't have a, another job nor do they have time to do another job because they're just always on the road. Yeah. I'm not even to that point yet. I definitely like I got some buddies that win enough money at the tournaments where they basically don't even need sponsor help but their winnings are good but you definitely can't rely on winnings. Um at some point you're going to you know uh, have a little setback and, and, and momentum's going to run out at some point, but, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there, I do, ha- I do know some people in the kayak bass realm that are, uh, you know, getting checks sent to them by, by different um, sponsors and companies. And, um, but it's real rare or, then, right? Like you're not, you're not getting, uh, more, it's than, rare, you know, like it's rare, but it, I mean, it's, it's like, paid. like anything, it's, it's gotta be a trade off, you know, mm-hmm. like if the company's going to back you, especially in a, in a financial means, like, you need to be able to generate income from them through promo to, to, mm-hmm. to some degree or uh, have an audience. And like, I don't got the YouTube thing. I don't like, I'm, I'm sitting on tons of footage that needs to get edited up and uh, I get the cameras rolling a lot, but I just don't have it out there mostly because I'm stingy about my fishing spots and, <laughs> and like, sharing where I've been. But um, cause I, I kind of do a sneaky way of fishing. So I do a lot of my stuff. So just I've got some good fish catches on video, but it's like, man, do I want to get that out there and give up that spot when I can at least know yeah. for a couple more years before other people find it? Um, so it's 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 evolving every day. Our sport is as far as where it can go and what we can do as anglers. It's it really is evolving each day. And you have do you have any guys that cross over from like 
FLW to uh, kayak angling? Yeah, um, namely, first one that comes to mind, Russ Snyder's. And I can guarantee you there's going to be a handful of your audience right now that's hearing that name. They're going, Russ Snyder's. Uh, I know that guy. <laughs> uh, a Northern California staple hammer. He used to guide on uh, Clear Lake, um, Fish the Delta. And so I know those guys up there uh, know his name going a few years back. But Russ definitely, he came from the boat world, he used to fish. Uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not savvy on uh, some of those tournaments going back a decade or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boat tournament names up there, but um, he is undoubtedly, and I don't think anyone would argue, he is the number one kayak angler in our sport right now. His dominance in the tournament field uh, has been like nothing we've never seen before. Yeah, um, but he comes from the boat world. There's no shortage of guys that maybe didn't uh, make much of a name for themselves, like competing out of a boat, but they used to. And then they just get tired of the expenses and uh, all, all the reasons why you might guess why you'd want to back off of it. And it's just so much more uh, feasible to compete out of a kayak um, than it is, you know, filling, you know, trailer issues, putting gas in the boat, uh, just the, the whole purchase of the insurance and all that stuff in general. Um, so it's, it's pretty easy for guys to make that transition from boat to kayak, uh, is what what I've seen a lot of. I mean, we um, Mike Iaconelli is fishing the the Hobie event this weekend. Wow. Um, we had D- Dave Lefebvre fished our KBF event two years ago. He won that. Um, so we're having pros getting a Jordan Lee's fishing event with us. Um, so we we've had a few of those pros are dipping in there. We welcome them, man. We love it. We love the idea of going up against these guys that we watch on TV and follow their careers and. Uh, we wanted to come in the mix. Like, uh, you know, we want the most competition we can get because it just it makes you better. Steel sharpens steel. So uh, do you, we welcome anyone that wants to fish. Yeah. Do, do you also think, like, the uh, what's the big difference between, like, fishing off of a boat compared to a kayak? Because I know it's a huge difference because you're sitting, but do you think it's like a – it's a, almost a – you can't just jump and say you're – you know Kevin Van Dam. You're like, oh, I'm going to do the same shit. But, no, nah, it doesn't work that way because – you got to angle things differently. Is it, you know what I'm saying? Is there a learning curve on that the, side? Some of the standout things that are different is that one, you're not going to be as mobile. You can't just, uh, you know, on a bass boat, if, if you're not into the area, you can just motor up and go however many miles away in a kayak, even with a motor, you're limited to a certain range. Um, and so it makes you pick apart areas a little better, especially when you're first getting into it. That's just what you learn how to do. Um, so we learn how to fish, slower per se uh or, or at least just really dissecting the area um probably my favorite thing about it is that we're so much more stealthy um the the the, the trolling motor on a bass boat um the closing of the lockers uh you know having three different sonars pinging out there these fish hear that they're, they're very aware of that and being able to get real stealthy in a kayak. I, I've seen it many times with myself. I, I know it's true with me and my buddies. You can catch fish behind a bass boat or go catch fish uh, that the bass boats can't either access or can't reach, but uh, there's fish to be caught out of a kayak that just won't get caught out of a bass boat. Mm-hmm. Um, plain and simple. Um, you could say a bass boat guy may be able to pick apart like an offshore thing, if there's like extreme current or extreme wind and they can just spot lock down, uh, 
in some treacherous like wake or, or, or weather, yeah, they may have an advantage there, but, um, what, what, what else? Uh, the, the stealth things for sure. My favorite aspect about it, there, you can, you can stand up in these kayaks now more than you ever could before. I mean, I'm talking dudes that are like 400 pounds plus are standing up in these kayaks. No problem. <laughs> you will fall out of these kayaks before you will tip that kayak. Yeah. Um, so it's plenty stable. So there are, there's a few techniques like jerk baiting or, uh, or like if you're walking the dog, like top water style, like these are things that normally your, your rod tip or your rod action, you kind of snap it down in order to impart the, the motion of the bait. Mm-hmm. But if you're sitting in a kayak, your, your range that you can snap down with your rod isn't as much. So I've learned to do things like, like do real chops or impart the action with my, my right hand reeling, uh, the, the bait as opposed to actual moving the rod. So there's a couple little things that you got to learn how to do differently. Um, but it can all pretty much still be done. Punching's another thing. Punching is easier to do if you're standing up. So you kind of got to figure out a way sometimes to sit and punch. Um, doing a roll cast is more difficult on a kayak if you're sitting than it would be standing on the bow of a bass boat. So yeah. there's pros and cons going each way. But man, there's something special about hooking into a big fish and having it till you around a little bit. Oh, you're just yeah, in tune dude. with the water more. You're not scaring away things so you get a lot of visual clues and a lot of aquatic clues that you just wouldn't get out of the bass boat yeah i know i need to try one out one day i'm just uh well down here it's it's uh it's in the ocean i'm like fuck that i've had a couple guys on go dude i had a fucking seal or a sea lion charge me i'm like i'm good (laughs) but there's there's some people you know because you know our kayaks are pretty whipped out we're we're you know, we, we put a lot of stuff on these days. And so there's a lot of guys at the boat ring like, Oh my gosh, look at that thing. And <laughs> half the time I, I jokingly like discourage people. I'm like, dude, you probably don't want to get one. Like it's, it's all you'll want to do. Um, you, you'll, <laughs> if you, you'll be like me and you'll neglect responsibilities in your life just to go fishing out of the kayak. So oh, I bet. It may not be the right idea. <laughs> um, where can they find you at if they wanted to book a guide trip, uh, with you or check out your Instagram? <laughs> Adam Riser Fishing on both Facebook and Instagram. Just uh, give me a shout. Um, it's it's mostly like the national area stuff, but like I've even got a trip coming up here where I got to drive two hours to Del Hollow in a few weeks and, and do a trip there. So, but something that's in my wheelhouse, I'm happy to do it now. There's guides in the area that do like striper fishing or crappie fishing. Like I'll hand anyone that wants to do that. I'll hand them off to some other guys or some other buddies of mine to do guide stuff. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll stick to more just straight bass fishing, sonar lessons, tournament considerations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd almost rather like I, I did a guide trip yesterday where uh, he didn't care about catching stuff that day. He just wanted to learn stuff so he could catch stuff in the future. In my opinion, that's I will be able to uh, give you more value out of your money by doing something like that as opposed to well, they just got to fish the conditions of the day yeah. if you just want to catch something. So, uh, but you know, bass fishing out of the kayak and. Uh, like I'll hop in a, a guy's bass boat too. Uh, to do, that's what I did yesterday. So great. Well, hopefully people can uh, check it out, and if someone is taking a vacation back that way, you know, try to uh, jump on a charter with you, and hopefully one day you can get out here and we can go fish, go with Townsend. Yeah, or, or if people just have questions, they don't even got to book a trip for me. I can at least, if they're you know rolling through the area, I can at least point them in a good direction on something too. I just I'm stoked to. Fishing it really is my passion these days, and it does so many good things for me on so many different levels that 
you know, if I, if I can help or encourage someone else to get out there and do the same, why not? Well, I appreciate you coming on, Adam. Um, I'll play a little piece of our band on the intro <laughs> so that people could hear yeah. what we did. And uh, hope, con- uh, congrats on the win, dude. I hope you do uh, really good, and hopefully you pick up some of them sponsors to help you uh, with a little bit of that entry fees and stuff like that, man. Thanks, man. I've really I've really been digging what you're doing with uh, the Crafts and King, uh, Cast Crate podcast. It's, it's um, when you, Whenever you do the road time, a lot of windshield time, those podcasts are about the best thing, so... Uh, I know I've appreciated it, and man, getting to hear some of those West Coast legends like just open up yeah. and, and talk about stuff like I believe me, you're doing important things for the the documenting and the history of bass fishing, whether you know it or not. Like having some of the the people on that you've had on and been able to get them to be candid about stuff like that's a big deal, man. That that's that's something that's gonna. Uh, uh, the ripple effects are going to be positive from that um, yeah. later on down the road. So I, pr- I appreciate what you're doing. And you do it in a fun way too. And yeah. uh, I think it's a- extra cool how our worlds of music and then now into fishing like yeah. it, uh, had this, uh, you know, merging uh, to whatever degree. I think it's cool, man. So keep it up. All right. Well, thanks for coming on out. appreciate it, man. Yeah, dude. Hope you and the family are good and take care out there. All right. 